Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. All the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is a rich, dense section of Scripture. So we're going to dive in. And see what happens. First point, we are called to grow by the power and love that we have received. We are called to grow by the power and love that we receive. And Jason did a great job explaining this and bringing out the the power of the new life that God has given us last week. Verse 1 says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge, this is a strong word, urge you, appeal, exhort you to walk in a manner worthy of call, of the calling to which you have been called. Now remember, Paul even says this, that he is in prison. So you can hear like the chains rattling as he writes this. And his pastoral heart is full. I urge you, I appeal to you, I exhort you to walk in a way that's consistent with your calling. The calling there is the calling of salvation. So if you are a Christian, you're included. You've been called. Now you're to to walk in such a way that's consistent with what has happened to you, what Christ has done for you, what the Spirit has made happen inside of you. And he's appealing. This word is a really strong word. Um, It might, you know, you might use it like if, those of you who are, you remember, or maybe you're in the season right now where your kids are learning to drive. And so they just got their driver's license. They're about to, to head out by themselves without you in the car. Kind of a nervous feeling. And you give them some kind of like strong things to say. Like, do not run red lights. Do not speed. Do, you know, so you're urging them. It's not like a, a soft appeal. It's a, you're going to die if you don't do this. So it's, it's, it's dramatic. It's strong. That's, that's the sense of this word. It's, it's to be strong. It's, it's, it's not right to live in a way that's inconsistent with what Jesus has made for us, made a new reality for us, a new spiritual life for us. And Paul wants us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. He wants us to grow spiritually. And so really from verse 1 through the end of the book, he's going to be hitting different ways that we can grow and become more consistent with the calling that we've received 
in Jesus. Now remember in Ephesians 2, we used to all walk a different way. So Ephesians 2, 2 says, you know, we used to walk with the, the, the course of this world. So we were in rebellion to God. We lived for our passions and desires. We were enslaved by our passions and desires. Then we were made new. And when you were made new, you now have new power to be different, to change, and to grow. And, and the Apostle Paul wants us to experience this new life in a greater and greater way. Now, Paul anchors his reasoning for walking worthy based on what he's already written about in chapters 1, chapters 2, and chapters 3. Remember, in chapter 1, you, you, you've, you've been recipients of the grace of God who has called and chosen you and enriched you with every spiritual blessing. And then in chapter 2, you've been made alive. And then we learned last week, and I want to read this section from um, chapter 3, that we've been strengthened with power, and we've been rooted and grounded in God's love. Look at this passage that Jason read last week. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's God, the Holy Spirit, will strengthen us to grow. He'll strengthen us to walk in a manner that's worthy of our calling. He'll, he'll strengthen us to walk in a way that's different than our natural inclination because there's real power there. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So we got, we got the, the garden and we got the building. We're, we'll be rooted and we'll be grounded. We'll, be, we'll have deep roots in the love of God displayed in Christ. And it will be foundational for us. So the more we encounter the love of God, the more we'll want to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. He's going to give us very specific ways that we're to do that. But the foundation is we've been given this power by the Holy Spirit. We've been given this foundation of undeserved, unimaginable incredible love that God the Father would send God the Son to pay for our sins, to rescue us, and then give us God the Holy Spirit to make us alive, to make us different, to actually change. So real change is more than possible. It is God's will for you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. So now what he's going to do is he's going he's to give some really specific ways we can walk in a, a manner worthy of the calling that we receive. Look at verse 2. So if the original recipients in Ephesus or the surrounding cities where this letter circulated, they might have read verse 1 and they might be thinking, well, what should we do? How should we do this? What do you have in mind, Paul? Here's what he has in mind. With all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. So maybe your natural inclination is the exact opposite of all these things. Naturally proud, naturally harsh, naturally impatient. The miracle of being born again is you can actually go from that to being 
humble, gentle, and patient, bearing with one another in love. This, the, these ways to walk have all these sideways implications. So we want to be humble before the Lord, but that humility will show up in how we relate to other people. We want to be gentle before the Lord, but it's really going to show up in how we interact with one another. And we're going to bear with one another patiently because the Lord has been incredibly patient with us. See, it's all anchored in what we've experienced and what God has done for us in Jesus. So we're to grow in humility. We're to grow in gentleness. We're to grow in patience. We're to grow in forbearance. We're to grow in love. A lot of scholars think that Colossians and Ephesians were written pretty much at the same time because they they parallel each other in a a bunch of ways. Um, So listen to this verse in Colossians, or these these verses, where, where Paul's trying to get at the exact same thing. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones. So you've been chosen, you've responded in time to the gospel. Now you're to live differently, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Now listen to this. This is the the reason. As the Lord has forgiven you. You see the anchor there? We're to forgive because we've been forgiven. That's the anchor of, of how we can respond differently. So you all also must forgive. So we have received forgiveness for our past sins, our present sins, our future sins, when Christ died on the cross for us. If you are a believer in Jesus. And if you're not, you can respond to him and he will forgive you. He will pay your debt of sin. Jesus takes it upon himself. Now when we get our minds around that, then we are to be forgiving people. Sometimes this is a process. Sometimes it takes time, but the command is strong. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling you receive. Grow. Be different than the world. The world might say, you know, somebody's done something to you. Just just write them off. Have nothing to do with them. But Jesus has a different way. Forgive them. Extend mercy to them, just like you have received mercy. That doesn't mean you have to trust them. Maybe they've done wrong to you multiple times. Trust needs to be re-earned and, and rebuilt. But forgiveness can happen immediately because you have been forgiven. So we're to, we're to walk differently. One of the primary ideas that the Apostle Paul has in mind in this passage of growing and walking differently is being united with fellow brothers and sisters. Unity is a really big thing to the Lord. It's a really big thing to the Apostle Paul and should be a really big thing to us. Which brings us to the second point. We are called to grow in, we're called to grow in and emulate the unity that Christ purchased and demonstrated. We're called to grow in and emulate the unity that Christ has purchased and demonstrated. Unity is an interesting thing in the Bible because, in one sense, we are united in Christ. So Christ purchased one body, 
And if you are a believer, you are part of that body. So you are united, and we have one spirit in us. We have the Holy Spirit that unites us. But then we're to walk that unity out. So we're, we're under the big same umbrella. But then he wants us to get along and to, to work out differences and disagreements and to be in unity with one another. That, that would be in, the, in a local church. That would be in a family. But it would also be with our brothers and sisters throughout this community. I don't know if any of the ladies were able to go to uh, the She Is conference that was happening the last few days at Summit put on. I, I happened to be working here yesterday, and I drove to the building. Um, and it's just a cool sight to see hundreds of ladies who were at a conference to grow in their relationship with the Lord. And they are, we're united to everybody that was there, if they are a believer in Jesus. They're, they're sisters. That, that's a right idea that we should have, not just with our local church, but with brothers and sisters, young and old, throughout Indiana County, Armstrong County, Westmoreland County, our surrounding region, they're our brothers and sisters. And we want to walk in unity with them. So look at verses 3 through 6. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. He's using really strong words. So he had urge earlier, now he's eager. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So think about it this way. We're to maintain it. It, it takes some work. We need to do some maintenance. Think of things in your life. So, so it's like maybe car maintenance or home maintenance or your physical body maintaining that. All those things take work. I don't know about you, but I am never eager to do car maintenance. I'm just not. Um, this summer, or yeah, this summer, Dave Marshall said to me, oh, you know, I, my inspections, his inspection was overdue, and I, he needed to do it, and so he did it. And I was like, oh, man, glad I don't forget my inspection. So I checked my car. It was like three or four months past due. I hadn't thought about it at all. And um, so I wasn't giving really any thought to maintenance. See, maintenance takes some intention take some work. And here, when it comes to Christian unity, we're to be eager to help one another work out where there's disunity and move towards unity. Verses 4 through 6 says, there's one body, that's the church universal, one spirit, just as you were called to that one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. And, and in these verses, 3 through 6, we have the Trinity. We see the Spirit there. We see God the Father, and we see our Lord Jesus, who is the head of the body, the head of his church. So we're to grow in and emulate the unity that Christ has purchased for us. Now, this is hard. It doesn't always work. It, if, if it's between two people, it takes, takes effort both sides. And, and the world's fallen and broken, and sometimes things just can't be restored, which is why I appreciate this verse in, in Romans. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible, if at all possible, write the letter, have a difficult conversation, have a cup of coffee with somebody, 
if possible, try as much as it depends on you and live peaceably with all. So a question for evaluation from this section is, are we eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? See, God has given us peace. He wants us to walk that peace out. God has united us in Jesus. He wants us to walk that unity out. Are we eager? Are we working on it? How do, how do we think about fellow members of this church? How do we think about family members? How do we, how do we think about other churches and other Christians that might, might um, have different beliefs in certain non-essential doctrines? How, how do you relate to them? How do you think about them? Are you eager to maintain unity and the bond of peace? So the Apostle Paul, he's going he's gonna to keep moving. So he's, he's jumping subjects all under the heading of growing. So he, he does this kind of cool thing. So he's underscoring unity. Be united, be united, be united, be united. And then he's going to tell something surprising. By the way, I want you to be very diverse. Be united, be united, be united. Now look at the next section, which brings us to the third point. We are called to grow up by using our gifts for the strengthening of the church. Be united, verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So he wants us to be united, but he wants us to be diverse as we're united. He's given us gifts and abilities and personalities that are very unique, and he's poured them out in abundance. And in that diversity, we find our, our union in Jesus. So look. Look at verses um, 8 through 10. I'm not going to say a lot about this because we just did a series on spiritual gifts. Um, But verse 7, where it says, But grace was given to each of us according to the measures of Christ's gift. He's going to get into spiritual gifts here. And I believe he has in mind the the same idea of Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. You can look that up on your own or go back to our spiritual gifts series that we did uh, several months ago. But look at verse 8. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men, to men and women, to the people. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who has descended is the one also who has ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Let me just step through few things that are a little confusing here. He's talking about Jesus. It's a quotation from Psalm 68. Jesus is the one who came from heaven. My understanding of descended isn't talking about Hades. It's talking about coming to earth. He descended from heaven. He came down to earth, and then he went back to heaven. He, after his death and resurrection, he ascended, and he gave gifts to many. He poured out gifts upon the church, upon his people. And now he's going to, the Apostle Paul wants to keep talking about this. So look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So we're to grow up. So you picture like a, 
a baby, there's a number of babies here this morning, or a, a toddler. As a parent, there's no expectation that they're going to do advanced mathematics. There's no expectation that they're going to mow the lawn after church today. There's no expectation that they're going to make dinner tonight. Why? Because they're little, they're young, they're infants, they're toddlers. So the opposite is true. There's actually an excitement that they can make some noise that comes out of their mouth, that they can smile, that they can walk and stagger. Um, But what is great and celebrated for a baby or an infant isn't celebrated for a 30-year-old. Because there's an expectation that there would be some maturing that would happen. That's what, what he's talking about. He wants us to grow up in maturing, having received these gifts. So i got another little technical section, and then we're going to get back to the main point, which I think is the main point of this section. So depending on your church background and stream that you've come from, there's different ways to understand this section here of verse 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I'll tell you what I, I think, and you study it, and you figure out what you think. And so um, wrestle through this. I, I think that apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are all gifts that exist today. I don't think they're offices. So I don't think the office of apostle um, still exists, or the office of prophet, or the office of evangelist. And I think shepherds and teachers are one. They're the description of, because it could be translated pastor-teacher. It's a description of the elder role. And I know some of you have a different opinion of that, so let's, let's talk and wrestle through that. Um, two main reasons that I'm most persuaded by that. The first is this. In Ephesians 2.20, same letter, Paul says um, that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles. I would understand that to be the twelve minus Judas, plus the Apostle Paul, and the prophets. So they're foundational, and Jesus is the cornerstone. So that foundation has been built and established. So the office, I believe, has ceased, but I think the gifts remain. There are, there are gifted leaders that have this capacity and vision to, to care for, let's say, pastors, pastors. Uh, just these, these really broad pronounced gifts. There are, there are people that are very prophetic. Um, the other reason I don't think there are offices is because in the New Testament, in the, the letters of the New Testament, that the two offices I think that remain are that of elder or pastor and deacon. And with both of those, there's, there's qualifications for those. And so it would seem to me that if the office of apostle existed or the office of prophet was an office that was to be a governing office, there would be some character qualifications if that was still today. Now, you may disagree, and that's okay, and we can talk about it. Like Jason said last week, like we say often, we want you to be in this book. Be convinced because you see it with your eyes, because you believe it's the plain teaching of Scripture, not because we said it. So wrestle through that, but don't get tripped up there. So just even if you're disagreeing, park that idea for a moment, because the main point here isn't what exists today and what doesn't, but verse 12, leaders are given, gifts are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature 
of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind and wave and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So let's pull out of the, the weeds a little bit and just think about what it's saying in verse 11, 12. One of the primary roles as a pastor, as we have five pastors here, our primary, one of our primary callings is to equip you for ministry. Every believer in Jesus is called to minister. And ministry isn't, doesn't have to be this formal thing on a stage or in a role or in a uh, set position, but it should be a disposition of your heart. So where you go, you go with the Holy Spirit inside of you, with the gifts he's given you, with opportunities to be around people, which is opportunities to do ministry. So in the grocery store, you can do ministry. If somebody's upset, somebody's bothered, you can ask them, how, how can I pray for you? You can have a moment right there where you are ministering to someone. In the church lobby, at a, in the church parking lot, in this room. Um, I think when I think of this, I think of a number of you, but one that comes to mind immediately who lives in this world of just ministry is what you do when you're around people, is Cynthia Snyder. She leads our women's ministry. But that's just like a small thing that she does. She also works here in the church office. And she has story after story, whether she is out shopping or often on vacation. She has stories where the Lord has just used her, will prompt her, she'll take a step of faith, she'll be bold, and a moment happens where she is caring for somebody and ministering to them. See, ministry is just us being used by the Lord to do his work, which involves other people. So that can be anywhere you go. If you hate your job, you can think, oh, no, Lord, give me a different way to see this. this if this job has people, then I can do ministry while I'm at this menial job that I really don't enjoy. Um, it, it changes your perspective. If you don't feel like going to Lowe's or you don't feel like going grocery shopping, you can think, Lord, may you give an opportunity to, to care for somebody. If you're out in your yard and you see a neighbor, Lord, give me an opportunity to, to minister to them. And then as pastors, we want to equip the church for the works of ministry. Last, um, yesterday morning, Dave Marshall and I had a, like a, a mini training for our fellowship group leaders who are using their gifts to lead small groups in the church, and we're trying to encourage them and strengthen them and, and um, just help them in the role that they're faithfully doing. That's what we want to do over and over and over again. We have a, a number of men and women in the church who I think are very gifted evangelists. So if you are nervous about evangelism, but you want to grow in evangelism, I think one way to grow is talk to them. Like, what do you do? How do you do it? Why are you so bold? How comes, like, you just say hi and people are down on their knees asking the Lord to forgive them? What, what is that? I want that. So we want to sharpen each other. We want to help each other. Um, and the, uh, God uses the whole body to do that. And with that, the church will be healthy and, and will, there will be stability. And so when false teaching comes through, it doesn't knock us all around. We, we, we have some stability here as we're 
using our gifts as, as pastors are, are equipping the church and teaching the church from God's word. There, there should be a, a maturing that's happening collectively over time. And that, that's the prayer. Now look at verses 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So we're, we're to grow and we're to mature. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that itself, so it builds itself up in love. So the image is Jesus is the head, the church is the body, each local church is kind of like a, a mini body, and we're when every part is doing their part, the whole body is strengthened and stronger. We have a number of you who are um, high school athletes and some collegiate athletes that come to church here. And the kind of the biggest fear let down for an athlete is when one part of their body is not working properly. We call that an injury. So something happens and part of your body boycotts it. Like, I'm not doing it. So if you're um, playing basketball, if your leg or your arm says, I'm done, then you're done um, because it's not working properly. But the opposite is also true. An athlete is at their full potential when every part of their body is strong and healthy and able and working together. And so that's the vision that Paul has for the church, that as we grow in health, and maturity, we become more impactful for the Lord. We make a bigger difference in our community and our region because each part is playing their part, is using their gifts, is praying and working together. And I want you to think, like, imagine if all of us in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our families, our shopping trips, whatever we're doing, if we're all working together as one body seeking to honor the Lord, to, to love God, to love others, to reach the world for Christ. Think of the impact that will have in, let's say, start here in the town of Indiana and just work your way out with concentric circles, like ripples in a pond that will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what the Apostle Paul is calling the original recipients to, that's what he's calling us to as well. We're to grow. And as we grow, the impact gets greater. God's glory, God gets magnified more and more as we're faithful. And this is possible because of what Jesus has done for us. It's possible because of what Jason taught last week. We have this power from the Holy Spirit in us. And so I want to close by just reading Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. And then we'll pray and the band can come up. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. So we can ask, Lord, grow us. Make us more impactful. He's able to do more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's all stand and let's pray. Father, thank you for this picture of the church. Jesus, thank you that you are the head of the church. Holy Spirit, thank you in many ways. You're the engine of the church. You're the one who empowers us. We need your strength. We need your help. Lord, we want to be healthy and whole, and we want to be impactful so that you receive more and more glory. And Lord, would you give us all opportunities to minister to others this coming week? Lord, use us. Give us boldness where we don't have boldness. Give us faith where there's not faith. And Lord, we will give you all the praise for this, and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.